0: Well, the past several Sundays, uh, we've been following Paul's journey to Rome. And if you remember, Paul is going to Rome as a prisoner on a ship in the custody of a Roman centurion. And we read how that ship was wrecked in a storm off the coast of Malta, and how Paul and Luke and the others swam to shore on scraps of lumber left over from this destroyed ship. And Paul spent three months on that island of Malta, and many were healed there, and many also were saved, but Paul was still a prisoner. And when Paul reached Rome, he was kept as a prisoner for two years, and then he was released for about four to five years. He was arrested again, imprisoned in Rome for a second time, then condemned to death by Nero and beheaded. Uh, But of course Paul was not aware of any of that at this point. He did not know what was ahead of him. And none of us know what is ahead. None of us know how much life we have left. We do not know whether shipwreck or smooth sailing is ahead. Uh, We don't do not know how God will use us in places we never in a million years expected to be. Uh, We do not know when or how we will die. Uh, We don't know the rest of our story because we are not the one writing our story. God is. And so this calls for complete and real trust in God. This calls for confidence that we are in his hands, that our times are in his hands, and we leave ourselves and our futures with him to do with us whatever he pleases. Our only concern is to trust him and to follow him. And you know when Peter asked uh, Jesus what what about John? He asked him about what John's future might be. Jesus said, "Well, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me." And that is our concern. Otherwise, we are to be carefree about ourselves. And we're to be carefree about all that is ahead. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. What you will eat or drink. Or take no thought about tomorrow. He said, another another place when they arrest you, take no thought what to say or how to say it. Uh, The modern translations say, do not be anxious instead of take no thought. Which I think is more accurate. But but I, I was just struck by how often anxiety is simply thinking too much. It's taking too much thought about life's unknowns and life's problems. And sometimes the best solution to a problem is just to stop thinking about it. Isaiah 26.3 said, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And when you think anxiously about your life, when you think with with any kind of... No matter how subtle... When you think with your life about your life and your future, about with any kind of anxiety or fears in the back of your mind, you, your mind cannot be on the Lord. But peace will come to you when you entrust yourself and your future to your heavenly Father's loving care, and that's that's what it means to, to fix your mind or set your mind or stay your mind on Him, and He will keep you in perfect peace, and. You entrust yourself to God with a total abandonment. Paul said, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Paul didn't live with, with anxiety about his future. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. No matter what happens, we belong to Jesus Christ. And in the end, that's all that really matters. And we know that even death cannot harm us or keep us from the love of God and the glory that he has stored up for us. So, so we get up every morning and we hand ourselves over to God, believing that we are completely and ultimately safe in his care. Well, after they left Malta, uh, the ship made a few brief stops on their way to Rome, which allowed Paul and Luke to, to meet some other believers. In verse 14, and if you haven't noticed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and catch up some of the... The verses leading up to the passage that that David read for us today, but verse 14 says, "The following day, we reached Petoli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. So there was there was a, a group of believers there at this town or this city that opened up their hearts and their homes to Paul and Luke as they neared Rome." You know, there's very few things that touch us and bless us like uh, genuine hospitality. When we, when we know that someone's heart is wide open to us, when we know that we are wanted, when we know that we are welcome, and just like Donna shared, this is the kind of heart the Father has for us. This is the kind of heart God has for you. It's, it's His Father's heart. He invites us to be his and he offers to be ours and this is the invitation of the gospel to to come to me he prepares a table for us he welcomes us with open arms he invites us to come and dine with him and that's what we're to do for others too that's what we're to to do for each other like these saints at Petoli um they, just, they didn't even know Paul and Luke, but they, they just invited them, they welcomed them to stay with them for seven days. And so we're to demonstrate the Father's welcome to one another. You can be an instrument of the Father's heart to others, to your spouse, to your kids, to those in the church family. You can make the, the invisible God visible to those around you. You can let, him, let them feel and experience uh, that, that welcome, that love, that acceptance that he has in his own heart. And then as they approached the city of Rome, uh, it's interesting that more believers came out from Rome to meet Paul and Luke. And this last leg of their journey was over land along the western coast of Italy. And verse 15 says, The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. Uh, The Three Taverns was a town about 30 miles from Rome. The Forum of Appius was a town about 46 miles from Rome. And there were apparently two groups of believers. Some came as far as the Three Taverns. Some came as far as the Forum of Appius. And they, they came to wait for Paul. And to welcome Paul and Luke and to walk with them the rest of the way into Rome. And verse 15 continues, At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and took courage. You know, God so often sends us the encouragement that we need through people. And we need to see that and give thanks to God for that. Uh, Matthew Henry said, If our friends are kind to us, God puts it into their hearts, and we must give Him the glory. We should lift up our hearts to heaven in thanksgiving. One of the greatest blessings you will ever have in your Christian life is fellow believers who love God and love you. And they are God's expression of encouragement to you. And don't minimize that. Don't walk away from that. One of the very strange phenomenas I have, I have observed is that some in the church who have really been loved and served, and I'm not necessarily just talking about this church, but I'm just talking about some in, in, in the church who have been really loved and served so much just don't seem to see it. They seem completely unaware of it. In Psalm 16.3, David said, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So I, I urge you to have this kind of high regard for your fellow believers and to give thanks for them to take courage from their gracious acts toward you. Luke goes on to say in verse 16, When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. You know, all through this passage, Luke is pointing out thing after thing that is a demonstration of God's special favor that they experienced along the way. He he mentions the believers who welcomed them at Petoli, the brothers and sisters who came out to meet him at the three taverns and, and the Forum of Appius. And now he points out that even though Paul was still a prisoner, he was allowed to live On his own, in his own place, not in some cold, dark Roman prison cell. And this was really a remarkable concession. And Luke points out that he gave Paul remarkable freedom to continue to receive people to come to him and to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul could have put all his focus on the reality that he was still not Free. He could have put all his focus on the reality that he had a Roman soldier chained to him 24 hours a day. He could have been bitter about all the unjust treatment he received from the Jews and during the various trials and hearings that he had before Festus and Agrippa and others. Or he could put his focus on being allowed to live by himself all the people that came to welcome him and encourage him. And that he was allowed to proclaim the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance to all who came to him. And, of course, that's what he did. And that's what Luke does in writing this. And we can, we can probably all easily imagine ourselves or others in Paul's same situation and ticking off all that's wrong with it. Pouring out complaints about the negatives uh, even seeking to pull others into a place of feeling sorry for us while we, uh, while we just indulge in self-pity ourselves. But again, Luke emphasizes the blessings of this situation. And that is the mindset we are called to in the kingdom of God. God always shows us His mercy, even in hard circumstances. And we need to see those special favors that he gives. They are there. They are there. We just need need to see them. And as I said, this is the mindset that we are called to to have, to, to live in in the kingdom of God. We always see things working for good. We always believe God is up to something good. We never look at the downside of our situation without believing that there is a great upside too, because God is with us in the situation always. You know, and Paul constantly did this. And he he wrote to the Philippians from Rome, uh, most commentators believe during this imprisonment, and he said to the Philippians, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Because of my chains, most of the brothers brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and have more courage to proclaim the gospel without fear. And he goes on in Philippians to say, I rejoice. I'm rejoicing in my circumstances. And I urge you to rejoice with me too. If you want to live the good life, I mean, if, if you want to live the life right now that senses and experiences the blessing and the goodness of God, then begin to see the, the upside in all things. The upside because God is in all things. If, if you want to add a sense of miracle to your life, start to proclaim that God is with you in every situation And look for those little mercies and miracles and signs of his presence and for the good that he is working. Just just like Luke did all throughout this this passage. And so Paul took advantage of this freedom that he had to proclaim the kingdom of God and Jesus as Messiah. It says that he, he called the Jewish leaders to come to him, to visit him in his quarters. And after explaining Why he was in Rome. Verse 23 says, He witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about about Jesus. And verse 31, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I want to focus for a little bit on this phrase That Paul explained and proclaimed the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God is God's rule or his reign. And to enter the kingdom of God is to come under God's rule and God's loving care. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand or it's right right here. Repent and believe the good news or the gospel. Jesus was saying, I am here, therefore the kingdom of God is among you. Repent and believe. Believe it. And Paul also proclaimed the kingdom of God. And he was saying the kingdom of God is available to you right here and now through Jesus Christ and by believing in him and acknowledging him as Lord and Christ or Lord and Messiah. Yes, it's fullness. The fullness of the kingdom is yet to come, but we're invited to enter here and now, and that's part of the way that the gospel was presented, the invitation of the gospel was given to people. Praying to receive Jesus is not the end of the story. Uh, we don't just wait to die so we can go to heaven. Uh, believing in Jesus is like an open door into a new country called the kingdom of God. And in this new country, life really is different than in the country we came from. Okay, I'm just substituting the word country for kingdom, but trying to help us understand. It's like we came from from one kingdom, and now we're in another kingdom. We, We came from one country into another country, and that's life is that different we live differently we think differently we treat each other differently we respond to everything in life differently we sing we worship we give thanks in all things we rejoice we love we treat people with kindness and forgiveness we live in sexual purity and in humility and much more we do almost everything different than in that old country or that old kingdom Romans fifteen says the kingdom of God does not consist. This is my paraphrase, but the kingdom of God does not consist about of fighting about what we eat or drink, <laughs> or being focused on that. But the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's just it's a whole different realm. Colossians one thirteen calls this kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of God's beloved Son. I love that. It's in Colossians 1.13. says that he, God, transferred us from the kingdom of darkness or the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And so the, the essence of being a believer is that we live now under the reality of the reign of the present living King Jesus. And the Bible the message of the Bible is that, that all people, all humanity, all people, are by default in the kingdom of darkness. That's where everybody starts. That's where everybody is, is, is born by birth into the kingdom of darkness. and people enter the kingdom of God through recognizing and receiving the king. His son, Jesus, the Messiah. And that's why Paul spent all this time persuading them about who Jesus was and convincing them, seeking to persuade them and convince them that Jesus is the Messiah because that's how we enter the kingdom of God. That's how we enter the kingdom of his beloved son by receiving and recognizing him as the king, the Messiah, the son of God. Salvation is is not merely believing something. It is, but it's not merely believing something. It is being moved from one kingdom to another. It is being moved from darkness to light, from death to life. And anything less than that is not the true story of salvation, which the Bible presents. It is not merely being moved from one opinion to another. Or from one doctrine to another. It is not merely being, I'm sorry, it is being moved from one ruler to another. From the domain of Satan and darkness to the domain or kingdom of Jesus Christ, God's beloved Son. And we receive a place in God's kingdom through the free gift of God. we We receive our are standing we are we are allowed we are received we are welcomed into the kingdom of God through a free gift of God but we, we not only receive a, a this standing we're not only in this new place but we receive the spirit of God himself who is the king of this new place so he invites us into this new place where he is king and then he puts his, the king's very own spirit within us. And so life in the kingdom is essentially life in the spirit. And as true citizens of God's kingdom, we bear these marks of the king. We, merit, we bear these marks of the spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control, and, and others. And... Those who receive the spirit of God's kingdom must not and cannot live lives like those who do not have the spirit of God. In other words, those in the kingdom of God cannot and will not live like those who are not in the kingdom of God. And that's why Paul said, do not be deceived. Those who practice unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Galatians 5, he lists what he calls, calls deeds of the flesh, sexual immorality, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's just making it very plain that this... this, this Transfer from one kingdom to the other is a very real thing and we live very differently in the kingdom of God and I, I know that that might sound alarming and actually I believe it is meant to be Paul, Paul says I warn you it is meant to wake people up out of any false assurance that they are in the kingdom so that they will really enter Amen. the kingdom of God John Piper put it this way the way we live shows our location. It's not that the way we live earns our way into our location, but the way we live shows our location, either in the, still in the domain of darkness or in the kingdom of God's beloved Son. So this morning, I'm going to be bold enough to ask you, not did, not did you pray at one time, a long time ago, to receive Jesus, not do you have some vague sense that God is in your life, but have you entered the kingdom of Jesus? And the first benefit of that kingdom is forgiveness of sins and to be washed And justified and sanctified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. But the gospel message that Paul and the other apostles preached also calls us to live, live a new life now under the reign of King Jesus. And that's why, in the New Testament, in the New the the early church period, saying Jesus is Lord was so essential. Saying, being able to say and mean from your heart, Jesus is Lord, is the essential heart attitude to all those who are in the kingdom of God. Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So I think that all of this was a part of what it meant when Paul said that he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet with all the grace and all the goodness and and all the love and all the forgiveness offered through Jesus, uh, many people shut their ears and their heart to this message. And Luke tells us that Paul called the Jewish leaders to Rome in Rome to come to him. And he says that, Essentially, says that some believed, but many or most would not believe. And so, as they were leaving, as they were leaving Paul's place in their unbelief, Paul made one final statement to them. He says, The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through, through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Part of the way that God judges people is by leaving people to their own responses. Romans 1 says that God gave them over to the desires of their own hearts. I mean, God eventually will let people do what they choose. He will give them over to their own indifference and calloused hearts. And if if anyone closes their ears to this message of Jesus in the kingdom of God, at some point, and God's extremely patient, but still at some point... God will harden them so they cannot hear. And so the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And that's not only a message for those who are lost. That is not only a message for those who are lost without Christ. This is also the way we live the Christian life. When we hear his voice, we say, yes, you know, there's, there's an old spiritual uh, song uh, that says, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. And that may sound kind of simplistic, maybe, maybe even kind of childlike, uh, but that's really profound. I mean, that is how we live the Christian life. Every time we feel the Spirit moving in our heart, we, we'll pray, we'll respond, we'll, we'll say Yes. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, I can't remember what book it was in, but he, he gave, and I, he might not say this is the only secret, but he gave what he called a key or a secret to making spiritual progress. And he said the key to making spiritual progress is every time you feel the impulse to pray, you go pray. Every time you feel the impulse to draw near to God, you go draw near to God. Every time you sense that he's calling you, you respond and you go you go to him. When God is stirring in your heart, you respond and in this passage, uh, Luke reminds us that the rejection of Christ by the Jewish people was foretold by the Holy Spirit and I can't go go into uh, this in detail now, but I think it was very confusing to the people back then, um, and particularly uh, confusing to those Jews who did believe, well, if Jesus is the Messiah, why, doesn't anybody, why, did, why does everybody reject him? Or why do so many reject him? And Luke just tells us that it was all foretold by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said this was going to happen. When the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Isaiah, he said this is the way it's going to be. And so somehow this is all a part of God's foreknowledge and his plan. When there's so much rejection of the message of Christ, we must remember, and I'm talking about today for us, when, when there is much rejection of the message of Christ, we must remember that God himself knows what is going on. He has his plans and his way of working. And while some are hardened, God will always have people in our path who will come and will listen. And we must not be discouraged by the lack of human response. Amen. Paul knew that the Old Testament prophets foretold, he, he knew not only this, that they foretold the hardening and callousness of the hearts of of, of his own people. But Paul also knew that the Old Testament prophets foretold that many Gentiles would believe. So even though the Jews in Rome largely turned away from Paul, Paul continued, it says, he continued to welcome all who did come to him. And that's what we're supposed to do. Instead of focusing on people's lack of response, or you know, that one person we we're really trying to reach that that just never seems to come around, instead of focusing on people's lack of response, we're to always have our door open to all who will come to us. That's what Paul Paul did. His door was still open, still open to those who did come to him. And so where are those people in your life who are uh, still coming to your door, so to speak? You do all you can to show and tell them about the kingdom of God and of Jesus and to invite them into the kingdom of God's beloved Son.